Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You are at the spot. You are at the place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Today, we will look through the eyes of an individual that is losing her sight. I found Miriam on um, social media, and I got to talking to her, and I tell you, I have another very dear friend uh, that has lost his sight, was born with sight and, and is losing it. And he skateboards and does everything everyone else can do. Um, but you know what? People that have sight are still blinded. They don't know how to process. They don't know how to forge ahead. They don't have um, ambition. They don't have drive. So Miriam is going to share with us her journey and give us some inspiration. Welcome to the show, Miriam. Thank you so much, April. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So tell my brains a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. All right. Well, I became a public speaker a couple of years ago, I would say officially 2019. The result of starting my life all over again, if I may. So that brings us back to my diagnosis, 21 years old, just come back from a backpacking trip, bubbly, adventurous, love life, living life to the fullest. I was a makeup artist, a professional makeup artist, I had just gotten certified officially uh, two years prior to that. And I thought I had a couple of inconveniences during my trip. And so I decided to visit the ophthalmologist and that led me to being seen by a specialist who took five minutes. He looked into my eyes and he said, you're going blind. Oh my God. Yeah. And everything started from there. I would say it was a the start of a new life. Um, and um, of course, it took a couple of years of exploring and trying to get over it, acceptance. And there were so many things around it. I didn't want, I wanted to ignore it, throw it under the rug because I was always an optimistic person at heart. And I remember that day, this is something I share often because I know it touches um, people and it, it mattered more to me than my actual diagnosis. So that day, everybody, you know, I was alone and I called my mother. I said, mom, are there any blind people in our family? No, I, she said, I don't know. Like, we don't know. And so everybody gathered, everyone is doing the test. It was a genetic testing that they had to do. And my father's standing there and he seems very affected by it. He looks at the doctor and he says, and he has an Arab accent. So he said, doctor, can I please give her my eyes? And when he said that, this is when I thought, okay, I have to put myself together. And this is when I have to actually, I have to be strong for my family, not the other way around. And so I decided from that day that I would handle it to the best of my ability without affecting others or being a burden to others. Um, but then time passed and I started to see the effects of my visual impairment. I was bumping into things, bumping into people, 
uh, getting into very awkward situations. I even have a couple of speeches that I gave about a blind date where I, I pretended that I was fully sighted. And oh, eventually, wow. yeah, yeah, that was that's a funny one. Um, and so the guy never found out. But it eventually led to my wanting to hide from the world. And then from there on, uh, I was introduced to a vision readaptation center. And I just made a decision. I made a decision that I have, I can't continue living my life like that. I have to make a change. Well, you are a striking beauty. You know, there's no, there's no doubt about that. So that's probably what he was, you know, uh, he, he, you put the Spengali on him. He, he was looking at your beauty and, and seeing beyond that and looking into your heart and your soul and didn't even notice what was in your, your eyes. Can you tell us a little bit about what the, the diagnosis or what's the name of the, the, uh, the site uh, issue that you have? Condition, yes, it's a pathology. Um, you simply put, it has a very long name. It's called retinitis pigmentosa, short for RP. What that really means is that your visual field will shrink until it typically reaches the size of a straw hole. And some people end up with no vision at all. Depend, it, it's always different. Some start losing their sight at a specific age. Others, they, they fully lose their sight. And it's a retinal degeneration. Yeah, you know, a lot of people have retinal degeneration too. Um, one of my eyes, I have glaucoma. So, um, you know, and I, be honest with you, I should manage it a lot better than I do. Uh, but you don't manage it until it becomes an issue, but I am doing a lot better at it. And a lot of people with diabetes yes. also have retina degeneration. Is there, um, it was this, did you find out if this was genetic or is this just something unfortunately random that happened to you? It's genetic. So nothing happened in particular, aside that in my heart and my book, I know it sounds crazy, but, or, or it sounds weird, but it's a gift in my opinion. It was a chance, you know, it was a chance to do something in, in with life. But to me, it's not something that, you know, it's not a random thing. It was discovered in my 20s. It's typically, it's typically discovered in the 20s, but it's a genetic uh, mutation. And um, it's basically the two parents must be a carrier of the gene. They don't have to have it. They can, ha they can only carry the gene. And if they both happen to carry the gene, which is unlikely, that can create an even more unlikely situation, which will lead to a mutation or a mistake rather in the gene and that creates, and my mother had it one on four uh, pregnancies, one on four chances of, of having um, wow. of having a child with RP, yes. Wow. And so now you come to the realization that this is my new life. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going to do. Um, there's a lot of grief involved. Yes. I mean, that's just a, the normal process because you're losing, you know, am I going to lose my friends? Um, my sense of direction? Am I going to be able to get a job? Am I going to, you know, have children of my own? All of these things are a part of the process. So when you go through all of that and you, you come to the point where you just say, nope, I'm not going to do this anymore. What was your aha moment? When your father, when, when your father um, said, doctor, can I, can give her, can I give her my eyes? Was that your moment? You know, April, I have so many of them and so many people ask me, Mariam, what was the breaking, the breakthrough moment? There wasn't one, there were many because 
this is a particular situation. This is not a one-time deal. You lose your sight and it's done, deal with it and it's done. No, this was, I wake up, you know, not every morning, but let's say once every couple of months and boom, something new happens. I've I'm just unable to, you know, find a doorknob or, or unable to cross the street. And then it just keeps evolving. So it's a grief that keeps going and I am still living in now. But there were so many little moments where I'd meet people and I was always open. I was always open to the world, open to receiving a message, something positive. And whenever I did, I would hold on to it as much as I could. And I would say, when the next step comes up, I'm going to use this because I'm going to remember that I'm here to perhaps help others on my journey and then make something out of it. And so there were so many aha moments. But yes, definitely my father, that was one of them because I said, I don't want to hurt him. I don't want him to be hurt. I don't want him to feel my hurt. And um, this is how it really started. Yeah. Well, you are an inspiration to so many, sighted and blind. Um, <clears throat> what are some things that you would encourage a person that is losing something? Maybe not their sight. It might be a person going through you know, autoimmune disease, cancer. Uh, I have a friend that um, they amputated one leg and then he went back and they said they had to take away, they had to take off the other ones. What did you gain from a sense of loss? Mm, that's a very good question. I can't speak for everyone because when I, when you tell me about these other situations, I feel blessed. And, you know, this is a proof that there's always, not worse, but there's always something else. There's always someone else living something. We all have something that we're gonna or have or are dealing with today. And I think the best thing I can say is give yourself a chance. Mm -hmm. Give yourself the time. Give yourself that time because if you're gonna make that decision right now and say it's over for me, I am dead, it's done. You haven't even given yourself the opportunity to make something, to understand there is a reason why this is happening and there is a way to overcome it. But if you have, if you give yourself that time, you're going to, you're going to be able to go through it and see what's on the other side and what's on the other side. I promise if anyone is going through something right now, I promise you can come back and let me know. What's on the other side is so much more beautiful and rewarding because when you look back and you say, wow, I've come from all the way, you know, just a little example. I was something so simple, you know, in school, I really wasn't good at math. Okay. Mm -hmm. And after I lost my sight, I became an A, uh, a plus student, you know, and it's just little things. Little because you tuned into all of your other senses. Exactly. You start wanting to do more, you wanting to be more. You want to, you know, when you have that mindset of wanting to overcome, you are going to be better inside and out after you've overcome. But give yourself the chance. That's what I would say. So you live a very full life. I mean, I see you on social media. Brains, you need to check her out, okay? You need to follow her, love, like, and share. She's amazing. She's, you know, beautiful in makeup artistry. She's a speaker. But do you hold down a full-time job? Do you go to school? Tell us about your, your dating, your, 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 your just everyday activities. All right. So, okay, here's what I do. So, first of all, I, um, I've taken up public speaking as a full-time 
job, whatever that is, a passion. It was a hobby, then it became a passion. Now it became my job. That's number one. Number two, I'm also an advocate. Okay, well, let me, let me slow down yes. a little bit. When yes, you yes. say public speaker, what do you speak on? Are you motivational and inspirational? Do you also talk to the blind community, youth? Yes. So that's yes. your target audience? Absolutely. So I have, uh, I speak for companies. I speak for organizations, nonprofit, for profit. I speak at universities. I speak to motivate, inspire, entertain, and educate and create awareness. I touch on diversity and inclusion. Um, I touch on having a visual or physical impairment in the workspace. And I also touch on motivational strategies. And in the midst of that, I share my story. Uh, recently, I did a little workshop coaching session on how to reinvent oneself. And so I shared my story and gave practical ways on how to do it. That's that's one example. And I've also given uh, talks for uh, companies in the United States, in Canada, for the Cree community. So I like to vary um, my my audience. Uh, you, yes. you definitely have a story to tell. Absolutely. So how is it, you know, um, yeah, a little pun intended, how is it dating? You know, because again, you're visually impaired, so you can't really see them, but you have to go deeper. You have to listen to them. You have to kind of check out their mannerisms. You have to use your nose. You have to use your hands. What is it like dating? It's the same thing. Yeah, really, it is the same thing. The only difference is that I'm not going to appeal to everyone because not everyone is ready to receive or ready to get into a relationship with someone who has a visual impairment. And this is the reality. And that's okay because, you know, I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. It could have been something else. It could have been I'm blonde and they don't like uh, blondes or it could have been anything. That's just a preference. So I've learned to accept that. And I love it because I'm out with my white cane. And so this kind of like works out as my filter rather. Um, and then I have always, whether sighted or not, April, I've never looked at appearances. Yes, of course, you have to get attracted to someone. But ever since I'm, I'm, I'm young and you can ask any friend, they always say, Mary, we always find beauty in people. And so I always was attracted to what good manners, respectful people uh, with really great personalities and charm. And that's that's what it is. I don't need to that's see. Transparent, that, right. you know? That's transparent. So tell us a little bit about your experience of dating. Uh, and he didn't know that you were sight impaired. I want to hear a little okay. bit about it. All right. So I, first of all, I met, I met this guy online. He's French. He's an interior designer. And um, I picked the place. We eventually have to meet because we're, you know, pen pals and talking on the phone and I said man I eventually have to meet this guy you know and so I decided the place I knew this place already I've, I've been there there are lights there are no stairs safe for me so I get there before him keep in mind I've always been always fashionably late so this time I was extra early <laughs> I, yeah I, I FaceTime a friend and I say she's my confidant at the time the only person who knew about all of this I call her up and I say you have to help me pick something on the menu because he's about to be here in any minute. And we FaceTime, she looks at the menu, we pick something super random. And then literally a minute later, he walks in, I get up to say hello. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, hi. And then, you know, he's looking at me and then he, he just, he looks behind him and he said, 
what are you looking at? Because I'm, I'm kind of to see properly, I have to use my side vision. So I'm looking at him like kind of on the side, you know? And I said, oh, well, you know, the, the wall behind you is so beautiful, you know, because he's an interior designer. And then, <laughs> Mariam, this is a normal white wall. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice tone of white. And so I just didn't know what to say at this point. I said, you know what? He's going to forget all about it. We're going to talk. I'll charm him away. We're just going to talk and that's it. Then we sit down about to order. The waitress comes and I'm holding the menu confidently. You know, I know exactly what I'm ordering. So for five whole minutes, I'm pretending to read the menu with him. And then when the waitress asked me my order, I say, oh, I'm going to take the, this um, crepe with uh, this and that. And then he looks at me with an awkward smile and she's smiling, you know, he leans over, he takes the menu and he does this. <gasps> put around, is this what you want? <laughs> and so, yeah, I was holding the menu upside down. Now I think, okay, this can't get any worse. He probably thinks I can't read now. So, okay, the food comes. I'm now telling myself, Miriam, you've messed up enough. Now put yourself together. Don't be clumsy. Don't hit, you know, don't make the glass fall or something. So I I'm taking the first bite. And then he, again, the awkward smile comes back. At this time, he's leaning over and he's like, wait, wait. Uh, and then like, he's trying to do this. And I look at my fork and I realize my whole hair is twirled. Oh around. my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I try to, of course, grab a, a napkin. And the first thing I do is, poof, I plunge my entire hand in his glass of water oh my goodness it's like mr bean you know if anyone has watched mr bean <laughs> in in the female version the iraqi version and so i'm just looking at him and i just go like this and he's like yes this is my glass you know and i said oh, yeah. oh. cleaning it up you know and it <laughs> goes on but this this is usually what i share and i usually say there was no second date you know <laughs> yeah did you ever confess <clears throat> I never did. He, don't, he He never knew. He just thought Miriam is a weirdo. Apparently he wasn't to weirdos though, because he wanted to see me again after, but um, I never really told, I never explained, I never had the guts uh -huh. to tell him. Yes. Right. So now are you open to that when you meet someone? Are, do you openly tell them that I'm visually impaired? Oh yes. I mean, now I can't hide it. Uh, I do things now we're talking, it doesn't show, but you know, when I'm walking around and I'm a little slower physically, I, you know, you could tell there's something off. If I don't have my white cane, it's hard for people to know, but they know there's something off, but I don't hide it anymore. I actually, that's the first thing I say. I have a visual impairment. That's it. It's done. Yes. Yeah, exactly. To me, it's very simple. You on know? to the second, on to the next thing. Exactly. Do you uh, read in, with Braille now? I can. I took courses. You know, when I said I, I went to vision readaptation, I did three years of vision adaptation. Sorry, they asked me, what do you want to learn? I said, I want to learn how to do everything. Teach me everything. Prepare me for the worst. You know, I do know how to read Braille. I don't need it. However, uh, the only place where I do use Braille is in elevators when they have it and uh, on my makeup. And so my makeup products has little Braille tags that I've put on to recognize the colors. And you know what? I, I have to admit to this. Every time I get into an elevator, I do touch the Braille. 
button. I, I don't know what I'm touching. I don't know what I'm feeling for. I, I don't know what it is, but, uh, and Braille is in different languages as, as well. It's not just all in English. Is it a English standard or is it universal? No, it's a universal language. Yes. It's universal English. I mean, I never searched it up. I doubt there is Arabic Braille. Maybe there is, but it must be really complicated. That's for sure. Yeah. But it's a universal. There is There are two different Braille versions. There's the contracted and the uncontracted. Simply put, it's either the longer version. Each letter has a, a, a kind of code, rather. Okay. But there's also the contracted, which is abbreviations. So to make it shorter for those who are really advanced. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All yeah. right. Well, that's good. So let's ask some fun things about you. Uh, if you were an appliance in the kitchen, what appliance would you be, Miriam, and why? A blender. <laughs> I don't know why the first thing I thought, because you can put so much in there and create um, fantastic flavors. Absolutely. If you had three wishes, what would they be? Hmm. Three wishes. Wow. Okay. I would probably wish to be able to fly, like actually physically fly, not on a plane, and be able to see the whole world, you know, at once. Um, that's one wish. I mean, are you talking about like, uh, like you know, anything? Wishes, anything. Okay, that's anything. one wish. <laughs> I wish that i know this is corny but it's it's real just that there's peace and more love between people you know in the world that people treat each other more like we're all brothers and sisters and we're all connected and just helping people out and each other out more i wish for that i really wish for that to happen you know and um the other wish is for everyone to be happy really because happy people make a great world. They do. But you know what is what is beautiful? And I know that my brains have picked up on that. You didn't ask for your sight back. No. No, ask I don't. Even if I had the choice, honestly, I know there's going to be treatments. There are some things um, going on and, the you know, they're trying things. And someone asked me, what would you do if you got it back? And I said, I don't know. It's scary. I'm okay. How long have you been? How long have you had this uh, this impairment? How old are you now? I am the age of the Christ. I'm thirty three, <laughs> and so we're uh, yeah. I'm um, born in April, like April. Okay. And um, yes, yeah, so I'm thirty three, and I was diagnosed at twenty one. Oh wow! Okay, so twelve years. Yeah, but that's twelve years diagnosed. But I I had it before. But I just didn't know. I thought it was all in my head. <laughs> oh, okay. I get it. I get it. Well, you know what? Um, do you cook? Do you, Absolutely. you cook? Do, what, what other wonderful things do you do? do you, I know you still do. Your makeup is flawless. Yeah. <laughs> I try. Um, I do cook. I love cooking. Um, a little inside um, info. When I was much younger, I'd always love hosting parties in my um uh, downtown apartment and my friends would always tell me can you make us your salmon can you make us your so I was always I loved experimenting and I kept it someone who taught me how to cook from a very young age was my aunt in Germany she always she's a real chef you know mm. and she taught me how to pair up spices together so I always had a 
thing for smells and what goes well together. And I have techniques. I shake uh, uh, something. Let's say there's oatmeal in a jar. I shake it and I hear how oatmeal sounds when shaken. I know it sounds weird, but oh. or, or salt and pepper. I smell things. I have um, adapted everything in the kitchen. So there are buttons, like little raised stickers. So I really know, and I, I actually cook, I'm not slow. I actually, you know, do it quickly. I like to make simple things. Yeah, wow. I love cooking. I, um, I do kickboxing. I, I love martial arts. That's another thing. And I've sparred with sighted people. Um, I do my makeup. Because like your, your hearing is magnified. And, and if somebody tries it, you know, because they try to take advantage of people uh, and it, again, I can see you being like a ninja. Okay, don't, don't let this cane fool you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's true, I do. And some people really don't know how much I see or what I see. Um, but yeah, I do see them. And, you know, just I wanted to do, I want to keep doing things. All the activities I love. Of course, I can't become an airline pilot. Uh, but, uh, you know, my brother is. It's enough. I can sit next to him. <laughs> Right. Aside from that, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to do as many things as I can to feel confident because I always think the best thing to do is to do what you're able to do because you're tricking your brain into thinking you can do everything. Right. Absolutely. And that's what it's about. It's about um, being in your own head, you know, being the, uh, the pilot of your own plane. Exactly. And being able to fly. Uh, being able to see without sight, you are an amazing inspiration. I, I get teared up because I'm so um, I'm so proud to be able to interview you and to be in your presence, uh, to know that whatever minor inconvenience I may have or another person has, uh, I used to have to tell my mother all the time. My mother used to tell me, I said, Mom, it's not fair. And she goes, Oh yes, it's very fair. She's very very fair. And to whom much is given, much is required. Mm, I so, love that. You wow. have been you have been given something that has taken tenacity and, and courage, uh, but you have been able to not only follow through, adapt, but you've been able to thrive. Thank you so much, Miriam, for being here on the edge with me. You have done my heart well. I appreciate you. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you uh, if they want you to come out and speak. Um, you know, I want you to do a book. This would be a great mini series. You know, this, you know what? You might want to plug that in Netflix or something like that, you know. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I do. You know, I always I've been wanting to write a book, but I keep telling my mentors, I said, I haven't done enough to write a book. And he always tells me anyone can write a book, Miriam. So I think it's in in its divine time. Uh, I really want to give value to people with 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 what I write, and um, that's one thing. The other thing is you can reach me literally everywhere. Yeah, I know I can't see, but I'm all over social media. I have um, I have uh, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Messenger. I have a page, Mariam Gani Motivation, and uh, on TikTok, you name it, LinkedIn. And so, yeah, you can reach me anywhere. Just type Mariam, M-A-R-Y-A-M, Gani, G-A-N-N-I, and you'll find me. Mariam Gani, there she is, Brains, right here on the edge. I need you to go in, Brains, like, love, and share, and follow Mariam. You know, her inspiration will keep you uplifted. When you think that you have a challenge, just look at her. I mean, she's a fashionista. She's always got something inspirational to say. I'm just really, really glad to have her here with me on the edge. So I need you to go in, please, 
and like, love, share, and subscribe. Like, love, share, and subscribe. Here's the address right here. Thank you, Miriam. Please come back and visit me again. I will, definitely. Thank you so much, April. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, brains.